welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. I want you to grab your Bibles this morning and find with me 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. I have probably already thrown you a curveball because some of you, your Bible just automatically opens to Nehemiah. But we'll take a break from Nehemiah for a couple of weeks. And I want to take this morning to really just offer a pastoral challenge to the people of Mount Pisgah, to the people of our community. Because as we look at our calendar, we've got an event upcoming starting next week. That's our Bible conference, or we refer to as revival or Bible conference. And we'll have different pastors that will come in, different singing groups that will come in. And they'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And I'm praying that God would take that time that we have set aside specifically to gather together and worship the one true God, that the Lord would take that time and do a work like he has never done inside of our precious fellowship. As you know, about 40 some odd of our church folks made their way over to the Holy Land over the last 10 days. And after a long flight and a bus ride, the very first place they took us was to the top of Mount Carmel. And as I was standing there on the top of Mount Carmel, I thought, Lord, Would you do it again? For those of you that know your Bible, you'll know this is the very familiar story of Elijah praying fire down from heaven. And the Bible says Elijah began to pray and the fire fell. And as I stood there on that mountain, I thought, Lord, would you do it again? But I don't want you to do it right here. I want to pray and see the fire fall in a way like we've never seen before at 101 Pisgah Road in Easley, South Carolina. Did I, did I say that again? 101, Pisgah Road, Lord, do you know where that is? He said, I do. <laughs> he said, you got good music. I don't know about you preaching though. <laughs> but it was all inspiring to stand at the place where Elijah stood. And Elijah is just a man like you and I. He's a regular old fella that was called of God and he began to pray and the fire from heaven fell. So I want to preach from 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning on this subject. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Without a doubt, we've been mightily blessed by God in our fellowship The Almighty has smiled on our church and great things have happened. We've seen people saved by God's amazing grace. We've seen the baptismal water stirred. We've seen our church grow. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen wonderful things. We've seen people comforted in times of great need. We've seen God do some really great things. And it would be easy as a church to put it in neutral. The building's full, the offerings are good. It'd be easy to just slide it up in neutral and let it ride. Because we know how to have church. 
We know when to stand up, when to sit down, when to say amen, when to not say amen, when to, when to shout a little bit, when to raise a hand, all of those things. It would be very easy for Jeremy and I, and by the way, I, I told the first service, I think that God's given us the greatest worship leader in the world. I think he's, go ahead, go ahead. I think he's assembled the greatest worship team in the world the greatest worship band in the world, the greatest choir, and I think they're just awesome, amen? And it would be easy for them to know the right songs to sing, for me to stand up and give some motivational speech, everybody cry a little bit, everybody laugh a little bit, everybody shout a little bit, and then go home feeling good about yourself. But that's not church. Because if we're gonna preach the whole counsel of God, it's not always a pep rally when we come to church. There comes a time you gotta have a checkup. You gotta go to the doctor and he puts his finger on exactly what is wrong. And he begins to poke and prod and probe and you go, ooh, yes, right there, right there. And then we've diagnosed the problem and then you can fix it. But it's very easy and could be very easy for a church of our size and what we've seen God do to just slide it in neutral, go through the motions and just let things go where they may. But I got news for you. That's not what I desire. And I don't believe that's the desire of our church. My desire, my great desire as I, as I stood there at the, at the, on Mount Carmel was, God, would you send the fire one more time to Mount Pisgah Baptist Church and may we see things that we've never seen before. Now, I'm not talking about charismatic chaos. When I'm talking about the fire of God falling, I'm not talking about craziness. I'm not talking about shallow shouting or creating confusion or tantalizing tongues or de dense deliverance movement that many have embraced in this day. You be careful about this deliverance movement that seems to be catching on all over the place. They think if you're a believer and you got sin in your life, you need to have some demon cast out of you. I'm here to tell you, you've been saved by God's amazing grace. They can't no demon possess you. So you, you, you better watch those cuckoo birds all over Facebook. Watch them cuckoo birds. Greg Locke's one of them. He got popular with all of his neat little videos, but he's embraced this whole deliverance movement. And I'm telling you, you better watch out for that stuff. It's dangerous and it's straight out of the pits of hell, in my opinion. Everybody all right? See, as a shepherd, what I'm supposed to do is protect you from the wolves. And anybody that hooks up with Benny Hinn, you better watch out. Some of y'all, I'm just messing your theology up, ain't I? I'm not talking about something kooky and chaotic happening when the fire of God falls. Here's what I'm talking about, the fire of God falling. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some men to love their wife like Christ loved the church. I'm talking about being serious in your study time with God Almighty on a daily basis. I'm talking about being serious about your prayer life. I'm talking about some ladies loving their husbands and loving their God the way God has called us to. I'm talking about putting down those things that are robbing you from spending time with God and your family and picking up a Bible and leading your family to the house of God. Wouldn't it be awesome if they had to just shut down all the extracurricular activities next week in the entire community because they said, we can't get nobody to come. Everybody's down there at Mount Pisgah at the Bible conference. Wouldn't that be awesome? I just love that. I'd love to start getting phone calls going, what, what's going on down there? We, we had a football game, but nobody showed up. I say, well, if you get saved, you come on down here to the church too, amen? No, 
But if the fire of God is to fall, verse 38, 1 Kings chapter 18 says this. We're going to just look at this first word and then we're going to go back and read this text. Let's say the first word of verse 38 out loud together. Ready? One, two, three, then. The fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Here's what I want to investigate this morning. What happened before that? And what was it that caused the fire to fall? Because I have to approach this from this standpoint. All of us would desire that the fire of God fall. All of us should have the desire that we would be more sold out than we've ever been. All of us should desire that God would do a mighty work like we've never seen before in our own lives and in our family and in our church. So when the Bible says, then the fire fell, let's go back and find out what happened before that. And then let's see if we can't apply that to our own lives. And then as we come together, after having prayed all week long, by the way, thank you, church. After baptism, I walked around this way and that sign-up sheet for sweet hour of prayer is right out there on that welcome desk. Starting tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, there will be somebody in that front room up there, that prayer room, praying starting Monday morning at nine o'clock until next Sunday morning at nine o'clock. 24 hours a day, somebody's gonna be in there praying for, for the meeting that starts next Sunday. There's one time slot open. When I glanced at it the first time, it said three to four. So I just assumed it was a.m. Somebody didn't sign up three to four a.m., I get it. So I wasn't gonna to be too hard on you. But it's three to four p.m., So when we conclude in just a few minutes, I want you racing out there to see who can get. I want to see who gets 3 to 4 p.m. on Saturday. It's next Saturday, 3 to 4 p.m. <laughs> if you say, well, I'm be watching a football game. If you wear an orange, go ahead and sign up 3 to 4. It ain't much about it. <laughs> if you're wearing black and garnet, Y'all watch a football game. Y'all got one to watch, all right? I just ruined a good sermon. <laughs> Let's investigate what happened before verse 38 and see if we can't create the same type of recipe. Let's find the, the ingredients to this recipe for revival. And let's see if we can't see the fire of God fall in this place. Let's stand together and read 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 30. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. 
He made a trench round about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. Water ran about their altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me, Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their back, heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt offering, the wood and the stones and the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. Heavenly Father, speak through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me give you a brief history lesson on how we got to 1 Kings chapter 18. Israel is a divided nation. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. All of the happenings here in the northern kingdom of Israel. Ahab is the king of the northern kingdom. Ahab and his wife Jezebel have turned God's people towards Baal worship. They have turned the hearts of the people to worship false gods. And in response to that, God has turned off the spigot of heaven. God told Elijah, you go tell Ahab that because of the disobedience of my people, it will not rain except at my word. And for three and a half years, there has now been a drought. Ahab goes to Elijah and Elijah says, you're the, pro you're the prophet that has created a problem for us here in Israel. And Elijah says, no, it's not me, brother. It's not me. You're the one that have turned the hearts of the people to Baal worship and God has shut up the skies of heaven because you have turned them to Baal worship. And they are receiving their just reward. Because they have forsaken you, I've turned off the spigot of heaven. So there's coming a showdown on Mount Carmel. Many passages or many preachers have preached from this passage. It is a fun passage to preach from. But here's what's going to happen. There's going to be 450 prophets of Baal on this side of the mountain. There's going to be the people of God who are in disobedience on this side of the mountain. And Elijah says, you prophets of Baal, you call on your God. You pray to your God. And then we'll pray to the one true God. And the God that answers by sending fire, he'll be the true God. Is that a deal? Everybody agrees. That's a deal. So he says, I tell you what, y'all go first. So the people of the prophets of Baal began to pray. And you, you, you know the story, man. If you've been in church any period of time, man, they call on the uh, false prophets of Baal. They're cutting themselves. They, they, there's no voice. There's nothing to be heard. And Elijah looks at him and says, what's the matter? Is your God taking a nap? Is he, is he hungry, going to get him someday? What's going on with your God? And the people start jumping up and down on the altar that they've built and break it. And then Elijah begins to pray. 
And he prays a very short and a simple prayer. And we just read verse 38. And after he prays, the fire of heaven falls. And so the question I want us to answer this morning is what happened before the fire fell? And what were the ingredients to the revival that is about to happen in the nation of Israel because they all came to the right conclusion that the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So let's, let's consider these things very quickly. Number one, the congregation must be gathered. The congregation must be gathered. I've talked about this several times over the last several weeks, but there's something that happens when God's people gather together that doesn't happen when we are apart. When we come together at an appointed time, and we have set our hearts to worship the one true God. We have set our hearts to seek his face. There's just something sweet that happens when people have gathered together. You remember the crowd at the temple dedication. You'll remember what happened when the crowd gathered in the upper room. Acts 12, there was a crowd that gathered to pray that Peter would be released from prison. There was a crowd that gathered in the upper room when Pentecost came. There's just something that happens when God's people gather together. Together. And as we think about the congregation that's gathered here, I want you to notice first the invitation. Look at verse 30. Elijah said unto all the people, what? Come near. Elijah is simply saying this. Let's gather together. Let's gather together at the appointed place and pray that God would send the fire. Now, I'm certainly no, no Elijah but I want to echo his call this morning. It's starting next week. And may, really, we don't have to start until next week because we have service again at six o'clock tonight. I know for some of you probably didn't know that, but we do. Every Sunday night, we do six o'clock. <laughs> Allow me to echo the call of Elijah and say, come, let's gather together. Come near to the house of worship. Well, preacher, you know, I know we're doing it Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Monday night's our family night. Can I say something to you in love? We do this one time a year. So put your big boy britches on and get your family up and get off the couch and get to the house of God. I feel a whole lot better. Amen. But y'all don't, do you? Look. We do this one time a year where we specifically set aside a week to say, Lord, do something in our midst like we've never seen before. And one of the ingredients to this revival happening is that we gathered together. Listen, the fire ain't gonna fall at Hurricane Park. The fire ain't gonna fall at dance lessons. The fire's not even gonna fall at the YMCA. The fire will fall out the house of God. Elijah says, hey, y'all come. There's the invitation, but notice secondly, the participation. Look at verse 30 again. Elijah says, come near to me. Look at this next sentence. 
And about one-third of the people came near unto him. Look, I'm trying to hurry, but y'all won't talk to me. How many of them came? All of them. Boy, howdy. What would happen if we all came? We couldn't fit them in here. I walked in the back back there just a minute ago. Robbie's trying to help people get seated. He said, preacher, we full. You know, we have two services on Sunday morning. You know how many we have on Sunday night? One. What would happen if... Here's a recipe for revival. Here's the recipe for, for the fire of God to fall. And we'll get there, but it's going to take some sacrifice. They all showed up. You know, there's some people that have joined our church that the NSA couldn't find them right now. <laughs> FBI, NSA, CBS, ABC, and NBC. Can't find them. Don't know where they are. Amen. But what if, but what if they, my man, but what if they all showed up? Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember July 4th? The service that was in here that night. They were hanging from the rafters. And there's just something tangible that happens when people are coming anticipating something. Now, they were anticipating fire, but it was a different kind of fire that they were anticipating on July the 4th. <laughs> we want to come anticipating the fire from heaven, amen? There was the invitation. He said, man, y'all come. And the participation, they all showed up. So I just want to echo a call to you this morning, just like Elijah did. Starting next week for our Bible conference, why don't you just decide right now, we're coming. We're going to be there every single night. There's a congregation that must gather. Then there's the cost that must be given. You see, revival fire is not free. It doesn't always cost money, but it always costs something. There's a couple of things that I notice here in the text that if there's going to be revival fires that fall, and the fire from heaven is going to fall. I would say, first of all, there must be solidarity. You could call it unity. And as a church, we must all be pulling in the same direction. It could be that for you to individually experience the fire from heaven in your own soul, you need to offer forgiveness to someone that has wronged you. It may even cost you something to offer that forgiveness. But we must be unified in our desire to see the fire of God fall. You say, Pastor, where do you see unity in these verses? Look at verse 31. And Elijah took how many stones? Twelve stones. Now, they're in the northern kingdom of Israel. There's only ten tribes there. But God said, Elijah, you get twelve stones because there's twelve tribes of Israel. And revival fires ain't going to fall where there's disunity. Let's all get together. There's 12 of them. 
12 stones. There's solidarity, but then there's sacrifice that's got to happen. Watch what happens. Verse 33, they put the wood in order, put a bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood, said, fill four barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Do it a second time, they did it a second time. Do it a third time, they did it a third time. All right, ready? Four barrels of water. How many times did they pour four barrels of water out? Three. So how many times did they pour them barrels out? You think God trying to tell them something? <laughs> Take 12 stones, pour it out 12 times. Unity is a big deal. But you said, Pastor, you said it's going to take sacrifice. Oh, it will. What did they pour out? It ain't rained in three and a half years. What was the most precious thing they had? It may be that you're going to have to give something that's precious to you. Could be time. Could be treasure. Whatever it is. Could be that you have to just pour something out and make a sacrifice if you want to see the fire fall. So there's the congregation that must gather. There's the cost that must be given. But then finally, there's the creator that must be glorified. See, here's the deal, guys. We don't do what we do that we might get puffed up. We do what we do for the glory of God. Right? We don't we don't want the notoriety. We don't desire the preeminence. All of that is reserved for the Lord Jesus Christ. Elijah makes a request. And his request is in verse 37 when he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me. He's praying, God, would you let the fire fall? God, hear me that these people may know. We see his request, but the reason is so that they might know that you are the one that's doing this. We don't want to be known as the big church in the community. We don't want to be known as the church that's got the coolest kids program in the community. We don't want to be known as the church that's got this or got that. I want to be known as the church that is here to, to, for nothing more than the glory of the Almighty. Because when we make it all about him, we'll echo the words of Elijah and say, Lord, let them all know that it's not about us, but it is all about you. And when we do that, watch out. The fire of God might just fall in this place. You see, the fire of God needs to fall collectively. But before the fire of God can fall collectively, probably needs to fall individually. I heard about a fellow that had a job as a crossing guard at a railroad crossing. Back in the old days, his job was to stand out there 
light his lantern. And when the train was gonna cross the road, it was his job to wave that lantern out there so the oncoming traffic would know there's a train coming and they could stop. One night, there was a train coming and that crossing guard was at his post and a car was coming, a train was coming and he waved his lantern and the car did not stop. It made impact with that train and killed the man that was driving the car. The family decided to sue the railroad company for negligence. And in the courtroom, they called that crossing guard to the stand. And he was sitting on that stand and the prosecutor said, or the attorney said, sir, were you at your post on that night? He said, yes, I was. He said, sir, did you have your lantern with you on that night? He said, yes, I did. He said, sir, when the car came, did you wave your lantern like you've been instructed to do? He said, yes, I did. They found the railroad company was not liable, cleared them of any wrongdoing. That man that was the crossing guard went to his house that day, sat down, and the president of the railroad company came by. And he said, I just came by to thank you for your testimony today. You doing your job and you giving that testimony today probably saved the company from going into bankruptcy. I just came by to tell you, thank you. He said, well, sir, I still don't feel good about it. He said, you don't feel good about it? What do you mean you don't feel good about it? He said, sir, I, I was so nervous up there on that stand. I was, I was so nervous. He said, what were you so nervous about? He said, I was afraid at any moment that that attorney was gonna ask me, was there any fire in my lantern? See, when there's no fire in your lantern, dad, what's gonna happen to your family? When there's no fire in your lantern, mom, what's gonna happen inside the family? There's no fire in your, la in, your, in your lantern, church. How do we ever have the impact that we desire to have? Because the fire has to fall first individually. Do you even desire that the fire of God fall in your life? You fall more in love with Jesus than you ever have before. I tell you today, if that's not your desire, I pray God would shake your soul until you realize that climbing this ladder of this world and all of the things that the culture says will give you satisfaction in life, you may climb to the top of that ladder and you'll find out it's leaned up on the wrong wall. Because the only thing that brings sustained satisfaction is a relationship with a sovereign Savior. And His name is Jesus. How's your fire burning? It also needs to burn collectively. Back in the old days, there was an old church, wooden church that got struck by lightning. Church was on fire. Back in the day, this was the back in the days of the bucket brigade. Man, these guys are bringing buckets, trying to put this fire out. And one of the guys in the bucket brigade turned around and said, John Henry, what are you doing here? I've known you your whole life. I ain't never seen you at church. 
John Henry turned and looked at him and said, I ain't never seen a church on fire. When it happens collectively, it'll begin individually. And then we'll see God do a work inside of our families, inside of our church, like we've never seen before. May that be our desire. As we stand to our feet, the invitation is simple this morning. The invitation is simple. For the child of God, you're here. You know you're saved. Know you're headed to heaven. But man, that fire inside of your soul has cooled. And it may be today that you want to rekindle that. And you can just by simply saying, Lord, would you forgive me for not making you the priority that I should? In order, would you restore that fellowship that you and I once had that was so sweet? Because I want to burn with a fire. I want to love my family the way I'm supposed to love my family. I want to lead my family the way I'm supposed to lead my family. And it could be that many of our church leaders today, we need to find our spot in an altar and say, Lord, help it to happen in us individually. But then Lord, allow the fire to fall here collectively. And you do the work that only you can do for your glory in this place. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, I'd love nothing more than to talk to you about your eternity. You don't know if you took your last breath this afternoon where you would spend eternity. And God's dealing with you about your eternity. I'd love to talk to you about that. Why don't you come and just say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can leave today knowing heaven is your home. But is it time for that fire to be rekindled? The fire to fall in your own life? A desire for the fire to fall in the life of our church? You come. Heavenly Father, speak through this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. You come as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.